0: Hello and welcome to Conversations on Purpose. I'm Daniela Harkins.
1: And I'm Chad Hickey. And in each episode, we will be sitting down with industry leaders to have honest conversations around their process to find purpose in their professional and personal lives.
0: We will explore the topics we often think about but don't talk about them in public, like being vulnerable in the workplace, embracing diversity, overcoming feeling like an imposter and leading while remaining human
1: purpose is essential to today's leader. So let's start the conversation.
0: Chad, hello. How are you today?
1: You know, doing good. Uh, You know, I'm in Arkansas, as you know, and I have been for now the last three months to escape the New York winter and definitely had, yeah, definitely had a joke pulled on me since it's been like four degrees the last three days.
0: I mean, why not? (laughs) I'd like to say it's 2020, but it's 2021. That's
1: right. It's kind of carrying over, but it's fine. That's right. It's fine. We're warm
0: and we're thankful. Hey, at least you have power. That's right. That's the big thing, right? right. Not in Texas. Anyway, you know, Chad, I've been thinking a lot about episode two uh, with Gail Myers and when we were talking about purpose, and it was really insightful for me to kind of go through that process. And one of the things that I've been reflecting on is that finding your purpose is draped in privilege. And I've been personally thinking about experiences where when I was a child, and potentially I was not as, um, I wasn't as lucky as I am today as a child, and still very fortunate, but I needed braces. And my mom had to work at McDonald's. And I we used to joke and say she was the fry girl for a couple of years <laughs> because she had, they couldn't afford to get me braces without her going and working for, at McDonald's. And I thought about that because she didn't have the ability to think about her purpose and what was driving her. What she knew is that her daughter needed something and she couldn't afford it without doing this. I just love your thoughts on that. Do you agree?
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, one, your upbringing strikes a chord with me because I had a similar you know, experience when my mom was going through a divorce. Like I, I look back on it and I think, man, we were really poor as a family. But I think that... I do agree. And I think that what frustrates me, and I say that in a lovingly, you know, in a loving way, about the advertising industry, is we are so blessed in the experiences we get to mm-hmm. have, whether it be can or see. I've experienced things that I never thought in my yeah. life I would get to experience. And having that sort of income or whatever you want to call it. Or experience. It. Experience, whatever yeah. it is that allows us to have these kind of conversations like you and I are having right now and with our guests that's coming up. Not everybody has that. And no. I, I really wish people would authentically lean into that a
0: lot more. I agree. I agree. This this world of excess becomes normal in some ways. Yes. Right? Yes.
1: Yes, I the I I think I've mentioned this before to you and maybe on one of these episodes, but a book that changed my life was The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck because mm. he says what are you willing to feel pain for? And I was living a life of excess up until 3 years ago. I mean like yeah. the money that I would spend just on ridiculous things and now i'm poorer than i've ever been in my life because i'm you know running my own company but i'm happier and more fulfilled and so i i completely agree um
0: it's so interesting to me because when i talk to people about our travels in the industry and you brought up Cannes, right or even to mexico or even um, ces and we have all of these huge events that we go to and and if you look at that from the outside in a lot of cases it's not normal right a lot of people look at it and say wait, what is going on? So we are like, you know, the conversation around purpose is dripping in privilege. We in the advertising industry, when you start talking about can or going places like that, so yes. matter of factly, right, and spending yes. the amount of money that we spend, that in itself
1: is draped in privilege. I I, I agree. And listen, I recently had a conversation with a person. She and I started our careers on the exact same day in Atlanta at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Shout out to the AJC. And I was talking to her about coming to work at Gibbsley eventually um, yeah. to do service management. And her feedback to me was taking the risks. You know, she was a member of the Black community, one of the best people I've ever worked with. I would hire her in a second. And she was like, I can't I I can't take that kind of risk because of kind of the challenges of moving throughout her career. And so when you talk about purpose and privilege specifically and things that you and I will never have to probably um, process in that sort of scenario, there's just so many things that I think over the past year I've woken up to that just I never gave it the effort to think about that I'm actually angry at myself when when I really think about it
0: it's interesting. It's, you know, I'm going to oversimplify it, but if there's more risk, if there is, and I think about it, like if you feel that those, there is more risk in your job or in your current situation, or if you think it is more difficult for you to find another job, having a focus on something about yourself, right? And that could potentially challenge the status quo or challenge the situation you're in. um, I, I think one, it's scary. And two, Again, I go back to the fact that it's like I have to live a life. I have to provide for my family. Yes. And if there's more risk in it, oftentimes, right, the purpose falls by the wayside. It's yeah, and,
1: and to me, it's it's not even it's it's the scenario that you are talking about about the person who can't even take the step. Yep. But it's also the people who can take a hundred steps to wake up and yep. understand that dynamic and really make an effort, and I'm not saying that people aren't, but I mean, really broadly as a community, make an effort to do something more and to recognize that.
0: Agreed. I actually, it's interesting. I think that we as an industry, hopefully as a country, I'm going to walk back the country piece. We as an industry are going to be more quote unquote woke than we are. I think we have more, um, I'm going to say more diverse voices being heard Um, But I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pause on the term diverse because I want to have a discussion around that term as well with our guest. So I think we've made a step, but I think one, I'm constantly afraid of what are the, are we going to take a step backwards? And two is this is the first step on a very long path. So with that, Chad, I would love (laughs) to bring in our guest today. I want to introduce him first. So he is a creative powerhouse in the industry. I he's also his voice and his passion for improving the way that we work, I think is, is incredible. So, um, excited about that. He is currently the executive creative director at VML Y and R. He was the SVP and group creator director at TBWA World Health. Again, tons of letters and acronyms. We'll get there. Previous to that, he was the head and VP of creative at Verve. He was at Point Roll MySpace. He has countless patents. He is the founder of Diverse Creatives and a founder at Black Health Now. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my celebrity. dear friend—that's right—and our celebrity friend <laughs> oh, Walter oh, Gear, Walter, this is welcome, welcome, Walt. This is,
2: this is such a welcoming group. I feel so like I feel like we should all be just like tucked under a sheet together, just like, yeah. just, like by a campfire.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just—I yes, want to yeah. ask Daniela, aren't you thankful he's straight and you didn't have to throw in an LGBTQIA? I mean, there? thank <laughs> the lot good, of, good a lot word.
0: A lot Lord. A lot of letters. A lot. Of-
2: <laughs> I mean,
0: I got through it. I feel like a uh, podcast episode over, I got through <laughs> all of, uh, all of Walt's titles and accolades. So well, Walt, so we welcome. Just... We are super happy Thank you're here. You.
2: Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm going to jump in because I want to get to the meat of this and you always are so compelling and are so honest, um, which I think everybody really appreciates. So, you know, I would say in the past two, two and a half years, you know you've exploded you and i were at verve together um and then since leaving verve you have i think part of verve you um were really finding your voice and since then um you have become such a strong voice in the advertising industry working on black health now was a passion for, passion for you and it seemed to catapult you i would love for you to tell us about that experience but then even more broadly tell us about this journey that you've been on to find your voice
2: yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting ride to say the least. Um, <clears throat> I don't, you know, it's funny. Someone the other day was like, "Well, you know, you're an influencer," and going to the crux of the conversation, and I just stopped for a second. I was like, "I'm, I am not an influencer, right?" Like, I hate, I, I think it's a weird term. Um, I think that it's gotten to a point where, for some odd reason, like people people listen to what I say and, and what I say resonates sometimes, right? Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, I call myself more of the, you know, resident shit talker when it comes to diversity and inclusion. <laughs> but, um, I, You know, here's the thing. It's um, I actually think it was before that. So, you know, Verve was an interesting ride. And in, in, upon leaving there, it was a moment where I recognized um, that I wish I had, other people that look like me that I could speak to, mm-hmm. other senior leaders that are Black that can had been through the things that I had been through. And, and you know, at to that point, I guess what, 18 years to my career, I've never, ever, ever had that. Um, so it was a moment where I realized the importance of actually, you know, helping other people because mm-hmm. I myself wanted to be helped that point I started speaking at a lot of colleges and trying to mentor as many people as possible and it was really rewarding for me in a way that mm-hmm. I'd never felt right but I think that's you know I always I often say that you know we as an industry in the advertising space have been conditioned to believe that success is uh your promotions it's your money it's material shit it's the the awards yes. you win it's the press you get and how much press you get yeah um I feel that a lot of times for for us older folks, uh, you know as you get older, you learn that like none of that shit really matters it doesn't right, and I think what what you you come to a point of realizing that you know it's about the impact you can make in the world, right, and for me, it's about how many people can I help it look like so like if I were to die tomorrow, like I would want people to recognize you know know me for a few things, one, just being an incredible you know you know husband and father, husband, right, father. Right, my daughter yeah. uh but secondly it's not the awards or the patents or the shit that I did in this space, but the people I helped, right? The people. And and when I say that, it's like, I under. I took a while for me to understand uh, my part in this game and that um, it is my, it is my duty to to help provide opportunities and send the elevator back down and allow people that are having difficult times and struggling to be able to stand on my shoulders, right? Because Mm. I've been fortunate enough to be rewarded the opportunities to sit in the rooms that I've sat in uh, by having incredibly inspiring, you know, bosses who've mm. put me in places to to succeed and win and I know that not everyone has the same opportunities that I've been given.
1: What do you what do you think Walt when you think about those opportunities? Do you think it was just destiny that you got bosses like that? Was there an approach you took that you think a lot of um, black people don't take, like, wh- what do you think led to you kind of taking these steps that other people can learn from?
2: Look, a lot of this is about, look, you know, success as a whole is about who, you know, let's just be honest, right. You mm-hmm. could be fucking brilliant, <laughs> right. And, and, and stuck. I know a lot of really smart people that don't have incredible jobs and should, or have incredible businesses that should be multi-million-dollar businesses and don't, Right. So, and I'll say like, I had four people specifically that that believed in me. Right. But they also believed in me because I was able to do something in return for them. Right. And that thing I did in return for them was drive incremental revenues. I I happen to be, you know, a person who can occasionally come up with some big ideas. Right. And I can't come up with big ideas every day. Um, And I've had people who put me in positions because of completely different, you know, you know, reasons, You know, Jason Witt, who, you know, is is now chief operating officer at at Operative was my boss at Viacom. And he taught me the importance of 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 a pitch, right? And how to Mm. the importance of telling a story. Right. And he is the person that started to warm me up and get me into these rooms and, like, no, present. You got to present, get in front of these people. Uh, and then, you know, brought me along with him to my space where he, you know, I'll never forget, you know, sat me down, was like, look, come with me. And I was at the dir- a director at the time. He's like, I'm going to make you a vice president. Right. And then, and then when he did that, he's like, and I'm going to promise you that you'll never make below this ever again. Mm. And you'll never, your job will never be below this level. You are now an executive and that will never change. Right. Like we literally like six or seven months ago, when I started this job uh, at the MLYNR he, we had a conversation talk often. He was like, remember that time when I told you that, mm. like it didn't happen, did it? You know, not a strat who, who, who also by mm-hmm. also came with us to my space who, who also, you know, then brought me over to you know verve and and she you know made me a cd over there creative director and and, you know she gave provided me with an opportunity right to 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 come in here and run an entire organization that's where danielle and i met um julie bernard right at also at verve she recognized like you can pitch your fucking ass off you're really good at presenting Hmm. we need to put you on stages and she put me on stages from like germany to la like all over the fucking world right and then recently jonathan um who Isaacs who who's a chief creative officer TWA like in my role over there even when I went there as a GCD you don't get into the agency world unless like as an executive unless you have years of experience mm. years of experience like I'm I'm an anomaly here like I'm an ECD and I don't have a single big award that's like unheard of in, in advertising right but I was put in because he was like, I don't give a shit about the awards or the fact that you haven't been in an agency. Like you're good at what you do and you're yeah. disruptive and we need different and unique voices like yours and talent to come here to help us win new business. Right? Yes. So those are, and I'm, you know, it's a little lengthy, but how
1: did you mentally go there? Like our first episode was about imposter syndrome. Yep. And I can only imagine you're the only black person in the room, you know, in a lot of these cases, I would assume from what you just explained, how did you mentally go there to say, you know, I can do this? Was that was that ever a challenge? I mean, you come off so confident and frank. I would, I would be surprised if you said it was, but I'm curious.
2: That took me a long time. It was Jason, Jason Witt, who actually showed me what confidence could be and what confidence mm-hmm. looks like. Right? He was a guy that, like, we got in client meetings and he'd be like, "Well, fuck this," and da da da. Like, I was like, "Whoa." Like, how is this guy getting away with, like, cussing? I've never heard anyone cuss in a meeting. And I thought it was cool, I right? mean, while like, you
0: have taken that torch yeah, just and run, run with, it. with it, my friend.
2: It's, a, it's his uh. fault. It's, it's, it's his fault, literally. I say it. I've, I've said it to him in the past as well. Like, you know, that, that the, his confidence and in, in the way he, like, if anyone knows this guy sees this guy in a room, he's like one of these guys that could sell fucking ice. When they say sell ice to an Eskimo, yeah, this he's is that, that guy. Dude. Right, yeah. super fucking inspiring. He will tell you that the sky is green and have you walk out of the room like, well, maybe it is. Yeah, questioning right? Like, it. <laughs> right, but it was that confidence that showed me what it meant to what it meant to own who you are, and own like how you show up in a room. And and I went through like you could see it even if you looked on my LinkedIn, my uh, not my my Instagram posts and like pictures of me and Facebook, you can it's clear as they see that pivot and that transition mm-hmm. from the guy who'd go into work with wingtip shoes on and fucking khakis to like <laughs> Jordans and hoodies. Right. Yeah. And and I think and I tell people all the time when we talk about imposter syndrome and, and code switching, do you know how fucking exhausting it is to, to act like someone else or yeah. be someone yeah. else? Yeah. Like, yes. Like think about being in a fucking role for a movie, like 20, <laughs> like yeah. 40 plus hours yeah. a fucking week for your whole life. Yeah. Right. It's tiring. So I'm like, fuck that. Like I tell people, it's got to be liberating. You be- yeah. Once, course, it, once you can
0: like shed that and be your authentic self. Right. Which is where I think that transition was happening. I got to think it's liberating.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a uh, it's satisfying. Just, you know, I, I started doing the creating the best work of my entire career when I started mm. just being like showing up as me.
0: I want to talk for a second. Just being a black man and have using the voice that you have, do you feel as though you have more responsibility in using your voice than potentially other people might have? I'm curious to know how you feel about that.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a struggle. I mean, it's a, it's a struggle. I'll say that it's, um, you know, you learn, I've learned, this is, you know, people look at this shit and they say, Oh yeah, you know, he's trying to be famous. He's talking to LeBron James. He's talking to Gary Vaynerchuk and he's doing all this shit. And I love excuse me, Lamar Odom. Mm-hmm. I wish I was talking to LeBron James. Right? <laughs> I was like, when did Ugh. that happen? Yeah. Wow. Right. I was like, <laughs> I missed that one. It's <laughs> too early. No, he's talking to these people and it's like, it's, uh, you know, it's like, Oh, he's doing this for the fame. Look, it's like, this shit is it's stressful at times like I get hate mail and shit, and mm-hmm. like you know it's i've never i've never I've never been forefront like like this, and it's odd. like I got like you know two other panel discussions up them like seven panels this week right it's um it's difficult. Um, because it's it's a lot on top of my my nine to five sure. but I understand why it's important, right I understand that, that with so few black leadership in, in the advertising space, what like why I need to go out and say these things because no one else is, is having these conversations. Yeah. you have chief diversity officers and I'm, I apologize to those listening who are out here like fucking shucking and jiving and shit right like it's it's just that I feel it that, that if if not me, then who Yeah yeah right. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, these conversations need to be had.
1: Well, and I loved what you said. I I watched your interview with Gary where you were talking about the chief diversity officer and the fact that they don't have a team. There's no budget. They typically don't report Mm -hmm. to to the CEO. What do you think to that? You know, I I think that you've been good at holding the industry accountable. Accountable. Yeah, and I, I think that, where are we today versus a year ago when everyone put the black square on Instagram and listen like that, you know, I did it too, just to show my support, but it's more than that. Right. And so where do you think we are with accountability to really follow through with some of these promises look, that we're starting to see?
2: Look, I mean, I'll be, let's be honest. Like I don't know everything that every company is doing, right? Like right. their companies, you know, I know here at BMO, not, we're we're making a significant amount of hires, but we're not public about that. Right. Um, I think, You know, here it's about like We're gonna let the the work show in itself, right? But I think that you know, it's it's interesting. I want the same energy that everyone had when they're put, like you said, like when they're putting up those black squares, right? Right. Like if you are standing on a, you at that time were standing on a soapbox and saying this is all the shit that matters and this is all the shit that we're gonna do, then. Almost a year later, we should see that same energy Mm -hmm. with like, this is all the things that we've done. This is the action we've taken. I most certainly see some things happen. I mean, there's been some incredible hires over the recent months, right? There's, There's, you know, like... After me, there was another ECD hired here at VML YNR making, like, number six, right, for black ECDs in the holding agency. Um, my friend who did diversecreatives.com with me just made group creative director over, which made him, like, number five or number six, right, over at Gray. I'm like, this stuff is happening, not most certainly at the speed of which the Me Too movement, you know, happened, mm-hmm. right? Um mm-hmm. But, you know, I just think that, uh, you know, I wish that people would just be a little more va- more vocal about the changes happening, because that's where we see the frustration, right? It's, it's people say, okay, it's been a long time. So what the fuck is happening? What yeah. is going on? And why are you being so silent about this?
1: Obviously, when you say people need to be more vocal, that speaks to also the white community, because the reality is, in the scenario, they're mainly in um, th- these positions to bring the people up like you experienced in your career, right? And I think from my own perspective, Walt, and I'm really, and you may go, hey, I don't give a shit how uncomfortable you are. <laughs> I mm-hmm. think from my own experience, I've always considered myself an ally. I used to work with this woman, Donna Harris in Atlanta, and she'd say, Chad, you don't see color. Now that's that's not a good thing. You, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. But she used to say that to me because I was like, you are who you are. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But I think that because I was so unaware of the complexities of the Black experience, I actually feel more uncomfortable or nervous to have those conversations because I'm afraid to say something wrong because I see the history of the things that I did where it wasn't intentional, but it was it was asleep at the wheel. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? And so how do white people get You know, if if that's a part of the problem to this point where they go, okay, like I'm going to screw up and I can't be sacrificed. You know, like you understand what I'm saying in this culture that we're living in.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a big question. That is By a big way. question. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: and yeah, Walt, yeah, no. I, I mean, I, I just want to say something like Walt and I are friends and I screw up all the time. I don't want to say that I'm taught lessons, but I learn from every experience that I have with someone. So anyway, well, I'm going to give you a chance to talk, but no,
2: no, that was right. Really, no, I think here's the thing. I think the biggest frustration a lot of black people have right now is that we are being asked to help other people with yeah. their own feelings. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. I can't, I can't yeah. tell you like well i'm sorry you feel that way you know what i mean like that's something you have to deal with but right. but and i think that a lot of people now are just like oh, tired of shit because like for so many years we have been it's been exhausting like we haven't explained how we feel and oh someone else was yeah. shot and, oh this let's get on a thing and let's talk about it oh let me tell you about my feelings i think we're at a moment where like a lot of black people just—we're just, tired of of trying to help, right? It's like, yeah. okay, fix your own problem, please, and and then you know, because now that's another burden added on top of yeah. my shoulders. Mm-hmm. But I'll say that I'll say that. Look, like you know, being uncomfortable is okay. Like making mistakes, look yeah. okay. Like you—you're you're, never—it's just like a business, right? Like you're—you're you're gonna never succeed without failure, right? And you learn from those failures, right? So I always say, like, you—you—you you, you win and you win and you learn, right? You never win and lose. Right. So treat treat these conversations, treat the relationships with these people the same way you treat your business and your work. Right. With the shit that you do. Right. You you, you come in the office, you know that you need to go in the office and learn. Right. Like if you're going to ask a black person to talk about, oh, you know, hey, can you come and talk to my company and, you know, talk about, you know, mental health and black and, and for black people and this and that. okay, well. Did you do the research prior to asking yeah. me? Like, like, mm, are you like, mm-hmm. how much do you know? How informed are right you? I, right, right. Okay. Yeah. So do you really care, right? Or, or, or are you asking me to just jump on the bin? Or I going help you with the conversation, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think that people need to take the time and- you Educate know, themselves, too. Yeah, educate yeah. themselves. But again, like the, the, the shit, you're going to stumble and that's fine. Like, look, we appreciate when you you att- make the attempts, right? Yep.
0: Yep, I you know I've I have uh, a question. I want to go back to the comments earlier about um, diversity and thinking about uh, a chief diversity officer and what that means. And um, one of the things I appreciate about you, Walt, is honest, is your frankness and your honesty about the black experience. Because I would love your thoughts on this. I oftentimes think that the underrepresentation of the black community gets cloaked in this idea of diversity, and um, and the idea of almost categorizing multiple different races under, uh, you know, people of color. And I'm curious to know your thoughts around that. Personally, I think we have to be much more explicit about empowering the voices of our Black colleagues. And so I'd love to know your thoughts on that.
2: So is your question around like the use of terms, right? Like PLC, BIPOC, yeah, I, of that nature?
0: I do, and I think we just—I I think my fear is: are we, are we using softer terms, or are we using terms that are actually cloaking the need, or hiding, or um, I'm trying to think of the right term, but aren't facilitating some of the really dis- the, the difficult and specific discussions we need to have
1: the real issue at hand yeah, yeah
2: absolutely yeah i agree i think so here's the thing i think we're in time right now where everyone wants to be so fucking politically correct with the way they say things right <laughs> yeah. it's like am i saying the right things right and i think now it's all about now that we're having all these you know conversations about inclusivity and what inclusivity is and or means there's this need to like bunch up everyone together right Yep. um I think black people would just like to be called black. Right? Right. like. <laughs> and if you're going to talk about like people of like, you know, five talks, that's a, that's a, that's a weird term too. And I know that a lot of people wrestle with that. I've I've certainly used it a few times and it's funny because the times I've used it was intentionally to, to be more inclusive of inclusive. black and brown right. people. Yep. Right. Mm. But um, I think that we're more talking about, you know, what inclusivity means and it's like, I'm sure people with disabilities don't want to be just grouped into like Hey, you know, I'm part of the D E and I, right? No, like you can speak to me specifically, right? Speak about my yep. you know invisible disabilities or whatever disability I, yep. I might have, right? Address me like like who I am. Yep. Right. Um, and I think that I think as an industry, I think we need to be doing more of that. But again, I think I a agree. lot of that is about this feeling of like, like, oh, we, like are we adding everyone? And then so right. the easiest thing for everyone to do is just group them all together. Well, I think
0: you can be inclusive. While also being very specific to yeah. let's say the audience, the race, the whatever it is that you are or the person that you were talking to, because we all have unique experiences. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I just get nervous about that. And that's part of the reason that I appreciate your voice so much. Well, is that it's it's very directly pointed at how do we raise the voices and hear the voices and 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 promote and hire right our black colleagues.
1: Do you think that your voice is the majority of perspective because listen, I think we sit here and we, we say all these things um, about not being afraid to say things, and that, but we see people every day sacrificed. You know what I mean in mm-hmm. social media or people chiming in because one little thing was said wrong, I mean that is kind of the reality of the world we're living in. So do you think your perspective and your approach is, is the majority of how black people feel um, I don't
2: or yeah? I don't want to speak for everybody, um, but I, I I think, you know, what seems to resonate most is that I I, I often say things that people wish they could say, right. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a fear of, of, of going public yeah. and, and saying certain things because of like, Oh, you know, like I've literally, I can't tell you the amount of people who after specific posts will send me a message on LinkedIn and say, Hey, you know, I'm so glad you said that. I wish I could say that, but I worry about my job.
0: Yeah. There's retribution mm-hmm. fear. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I'll be honest that like i have i've I'm not perfect. I have moments where I do shit too, or like when this whole Gary Vaynerchuk shit like hit press yesterday an ad we wrote on it, like you know, I know people were scrambling in a lot of agencies. I know that yeah. for a fact, we're like, oh shit, we need to get our numbers together because i people told me yeah. that that was happening and and you know when these moments happen, uh you know, look, that was the intent the intent was to get people speaking right if I call out the biggest most well-known person in advertising to have a conversation then you know what everyone else should think you know um but there's yeah there was also a bit of a fear when that happened like fuck like is this is this is this am i pushing too hard now right because i got a family man yeah my wife is working on her masters right now like yeah yeah i can't afford to lose my job right but i but again it's like you know i wrestle with what's what's pushing too hard and 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 what's going to, you know, allow me to say things that help make an impact on, on other people.
0: You know, well, you, you and I have known each other for, for a while now and I think it's been awesome to kind of watch uh, your voice and your confidence and your place, not just within the industry, but just more broadly being a voice for equality. Um, It's been awesome to watch that and be part of it. it. It really has. Um, That's been a journey though. You don't, one of the things I think about is, is personally, even thinking about COVID um, and the past year, it's also been an opportunity for me to be more introspective, use different tools, use my voice differently, right? Um, I'm curious to know what you would say, because there are people that are either younger and haven't necessarily figured out their voice. They haven't gotten the confidence. They're still early in their path, uh, in their career. So thinking about them or those that are in situations that frankly can't be as vocal about their point of view, about their purpose, what do we say for them? What do we, you know, is it, I'm curious to know what your point of view is on how did they get on the path, right? To ensure they not just have a purpose, but that they also feel as though they have a seat at the table and a
2: voice. Here's the thing, I think we all, before I answer that, I think I'll address the purpose part. I think that we all have this yearn To have a purpose, right? Like some of us won't get that until way later on in life, right? In in a lot. (laughs) Yep. A lot of people push to like, what's my purpose? What's my meaning? Like, it doesn't fucking matter. Just live your life and be you, and eventually you'll you'll learn and you'll understand yeah. what that is, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, that, that's like, what's happening to me love-
1: too.
0: I yeah, mean, we right? put that
2: in a quote, like, "Yeah, what your life fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah it's We're
0: going to come up with trademarkable quotes. <laughs> We're from start conversations calendar. on purpose. Yeah, you should. You should. Well, so make
2: me go back and rewind and find that spot. Uh, <laughs> so here's the thing, like. It, that's a really hard question to ask because, like, I'll say one thing I love about millennials and Gen Z right now. Is mm. They're fucking, like, mad. They're saying things on social media that I would <laughs> yeah. have never said. Agreed. Right? Yeah. They're saying shit, and I'm like, whoa, wow. Yeah. So there's this, you know, there's this, like, they have no fear, right? But um, I also know that that's, it's, it's difficult to say some of the things that I said. And look, let's be honest, right? Like, I'm, I'm also an executive, and I'm okay. also a man. Right. If a, if a black woman with my same job was saying the same shit that yep. I was saying, they'd be like, she would be like, she wouldn't get the same dress. Right. Mm. They'd, they'd look at her as like, oh, she's an angry black woman. She's mm-hmm. angry. She's scorned. Right. Um, so I know that, you know, it's, it's easier for me to say some of these things. And, uh, and it's difficult when people ask me, like, how can I do the same thing? And how can I be vocal? And I'm just starting in my career. A good friend of mine, Derek Walker, we were talking about this on another panel, and I was like, my, my first answer to that was, was, well, fuck that. Like, we need to have more voices. You need to join in the yep. conversation. Like, because if all of us aren't having this conversation and no one's having this conversation, if collected voices make, make massive change. And I still believe that. But then Derek was like, well, he's like, well, he's like, but you can't say that to someone who's just starting their career. Right. And what Derek said was, you know, we need to like you, people like you and I and older people, like people who've been in the space for a longer time need to be their line backers, right? That it's okay for them to be silent and quiet right now, right? And learn and go out and pull shit down, absorb as much knowledge as you can from the people around you, from people like us, allow us to block for you. And when you get in that position that allows you to raise your voice, make sure you do that and yep. then block for the next person on the way up. And I love that better too. Yeah, and after hearing that, I was like, you know what? Like, it made me rethink, you know, my thought because oftentimes I get caught up in this moment of like, fuck this, it's easy, just do it like this, yeah. you know. And it's it's not exactly the case. Well, you forget mm-hmm.
0: about the path that it took you to get where you are. Yes. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Because like I and I, I the other thing that I love that you just said was like, live your life, and you'll figure out your purpose. Because I think mm-hmm. now what's happening is people are like, what am I doing this for? Is this fulfilling to me? Is this and, and, you know, it's like, hey, go out and have fun. Because guess what, if you would have asked me my purpose in my 20s versus my purpose in my 40s? Yes, they would have been vastly fucking oh, yeah. different.
1: Well, and the 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 things that you do in your 20s and 30s lead you to that because you become That's right. wiser.
0: That's right. Totally. So so
1: while kind of wrapping up the conversation, sure. what, you know, on this path that you're on, what where does your purpose take you this year? Are there things on your mind that you want to accomplish?
2: Yeah, you gotta understand. I am like me as a person. I am so by the minute. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think ahead at all because I'm just like I'm very much, no like, plan. Funny, yeah. I have no plan. I have no plan at all. It's well, it's working think, for you so far. Is. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm measure. gonna clear my calendar. Today. Yeah.
0: <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, I am like pulling my hair out. Because I can't plan for the next, you know, so. two weeks or the next, you know, two months, and walk like, hey,
1: hey, going to come my way, and it's going to be good. I'm just over yeah, here look. collecting followers, everyone. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> look, I just,
2: I, I just, I just go for the, I just go with the, go with the flow. I mean, look, there's there are things that are planned. Like like here's the thing, right? And if Gary hears this, then I apologize. But like that shit with Gary, like I had that planned for like five months. Right, I, 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 we, we did that interview. He said that in that he said made that statement in the interview. In my head, I was like, checkbox, yep. right? Mm. I had a friend of mine take that video clip and re-edit it into vertical format months ago. Mm. And I sat and I waited, and then I sat and I was gonna do it the first the the first week of January. It's like, no, I can't do it now. Still too early because he said Gen One right and then i waited to the right time and what like a week ago week and a half ago I, yeah. I posted it right so like there are some things like there are some things that i do when it comes to this side of the world in terms of trying to shake up the space is very you know calculated um i don't like any post that i make where i try to shake things up is is well thought out and it's very very intentional but like in terms of my my career and, and, and what's next. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, we'll see what happens and see how, you know, see, see how the world kind of works. I just, you know, I just know that, um you know, my, you know, my, the biggest thing I want to accomplish is just helping get other people, uh, leaders, you know, black and brown leaders into positions uh, to succeed and to win, not just helping them with creating an opportunity, yeah. um, but figuring out ways to actually help, um, you know, keep them in those positions. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is just, I I feel like this is the, this is like the first yard, right? Of the 99 yards, the rest of the yards that we have to go to. So, yeah, it's amazing.
1: This has been a great conversation though. I always love talking to you. Thank you for making the time. I know you're (laughs) of course a very busy person and Daniela, thank you for having celebrity friends that I get to. I mean, guys, does?
0: he's not just a celebrity. He's an influencer now. He's an influencer. I, mean, listen, I just want to say, so I was talking to the CEO of a, of a pharmaceuticals company, and we were talking about different people, and I was like, oh, let me give you, like, the type of person, and I was like, let's just pull Walter gear up on LinkedIn, and he goes, wow, he's such an influencer. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> so, Walter, well, there you go. You're like a millennial Gen, gen no, Y apparently, uh, apparently. Uh, uh, influencer. Jokes. all jokes. Anyway, Walt, well, um, thank you for your time today. I, oh, I, I we it's adore you, we love you. I think you know. I will. I think we both will continue to watch you, and uh, you inspire a lot of people, including me. And I'm just appreciative yes. to have you as a friend. So thank oh, you. Thank you, your Walt.
2: Thank you. This has been dope. And look, I uh, look. You guys are fucking awesome. This is the best podcast. Oh, no. Like, not even shit. It's the best podcast you I've had. Uh, You guys are really, really great. This is an easygoing conversation. So Uh, I would be happy to come back again. Oh, my God. Done. All right. Thank
1: you. Thank you for joining this episode of Conversations on Purpose.
0: To learn more about upcoming episodes, subscribe to Conversations on Purpose on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.